As most of you know, I spent some time um, about three weeks ago in Honduras. Me and um, um, four other people um, from Reedy Fork uh, joined up with Youth for Christ Greensboro, and we went to um, um, a little town outside of, um, we flew into San Pedro Sula and then um, went to uh, the Copen La Entrada, where there is a YFC Honduras camp. Um, it's kind of like a camp that you would have around here. Um, except not as well built, um, a lot, not the luxuries of it. Um, I haven't shared um, with many people the reason um, for me wanting to go on this mission trip. I've been on mission trips in the past, and um, mission trips is just something that I've, I've enjoyed doing um, because I like helping people. I like to uh, the feeling of, of accomplishment when you leave. Um, not just in making an impact in somebody else's life, but the impact that somebody else is making in, in our own life. Um, I saw that um, very well with this last trip in Honduras. Um, there was uh, a couple times we, we left the camp and, and went about into the town and stuff. And um, one night in particular, we went and they were having a festival. It was like the the um, the yearly festival of, of when the, the city was um, first started and... and um, and they, they do a huge festival. They have bands out there and everything. And, and as we walked around in the town, there was many people who, who would, who would kind of look at us. Like when we got off the buses or the vans, you know, they would see us and they're like, those gringos. That's what they called us was gringos, white people. Um, and, and as, as, as the night progressed, they were more open with us being there and, and more open in the way that they interacted with us. It ended up turning into everywhere we went, we had uh, a crowd of maybe two, 300 people following us. Um, it, it, I, I looked at one of the other leaders that was with us on our group, and I said, at what point do we start feeling like fish in a fishbowl? Um, because everything we did, it was like they were like looking at it. There was kids coming up and just like poking you, kind of like f- kids do on a, a fish tank. You know, fishes are like, okay, what are you doing? Um, but it, it was it was an eye-opening experience for me because in an area where people have so little um, and we have so much, they're willing to give us everything when they have nothing. And it, it really opened my eyes up. Um, but, but the main reason I went on this trip um, was because I've shared with you in the past that I have um, a little bit of anxiety, something that I've dealt with for about four years now, um, going on five years. And, um, and, and it's really come to, to, to a good place in my life where I can, I've dealt with it and, and God has, you know, kind of got me through it. But there's still situations where it, it kind of um, flares back up. And most of the time it's whenever I go away um, on vacation. Um, when I go to the beach, I feel safe because there is a fire station that is um, two blocks away. And I'm like, cool, if something happens, I know where I'm going. Um, if I go um, anywhere, you know, that's the first thing that's on my mind. It's, it's um, what is plan B? Um, we went to Shane and Brian Kirkman. They have a lake house. They're here, members of the church. Um, last uh, summer in uh, July, uh, they allowed us, Amber and myself, to use their, their um, lake house to do a short little getaway for our anniversary. And um, that was one of the roughest places I've ever been. It's, it's in... Um, way up in Caswell County, and there's nothing nearby, and even as you go down the mile-and-a-half-long driveway, um, you lose signal as soon as you leave the road. So there's no phone service, no nothing, and, and it's just desolate. It's super quiet, and if you were to die, nobody would know except for the person that you're with. Um, and as I was in that moment um, at, at the lake house, I realized, like, this is what my fear is. Of, of just not having a way out. And, and, and as the uh, opportunity came up for this trip to Honduras, I said, you know what? This is the ultimate test. I want to allow God to lead me and allow me to focus on him solely so that I don't get interrupted or, or taken down by my, my fear of not having a way out, not having, you know, my anxiety. Um, uh, the fear of being away, no hospitals, and even the, the fear of, of, of sickness. Um, I remember going and sitting in uh, a doctor's office at the Greensboro or Guilford County Travel Clinic. Um, a lady, uh, Michelle Howell, who, who goes here, she works there, and she was actually the, the nurse 
that was uh, there in the room with me and, and going to be giving me all my medications. And they start talking about malaria and, and all this stomach fungus disease. And if you're, um, this is going to sound gross, if you're excrement gets gooey or slimy and stuff like this. I'm like, hold up. That that was not in the details of the mission trip, you know, that I could just eat random stuff and things change in my body. But, um, you know, even sitting in the doctor's office, I was like, I still have time. I can get out of this mission trip. You know, it's, 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 it's not for me. But, um, I, I decided that I wanted to do this this trip, and I, and I, I went headfirst into it. I said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to raise the money. Um, and, and God paved the way through that because I raised the money faster than anybody else did um, through the blessing of um, some close friends here and some family um, that, that, that are around me, and and uh, and I'm grateful for that. But um, because I was, I was focused on the situation that I was in, I was able to overcome my fear. Um, not one time... Um, while after I arrived at the camp, did, did I ever have a feeling of I was unsafe or something bad was going to happen? Um, I will say on the way there, we left the uh, airport. Um, they picked us up, and it's a two, uh, sorry, three-and-a-half-hour uh, van ride. They called it a bus, but it's really a elongated van with racks on top and hard seats windows all the way down the side, and they, they have curtains, and they tell you to shut the curtains so people don't see you. Um, but I, I had to sit in the very front seat um, because we were packed out, and nobody else wanted to sit up there, and females couldn't sit up there. So I was like, okay, I'll do it because you got to – there's no door. There's only one door, and it's the back and then the driver's side, and you have to climb up and go around sitting down front. I was flexible, so they said, they'll do it. Um, I sat there, and, and as I traveled, you know, I saw, you know, all these, like, Tin buildings, like the tin roof or the metal roof that is on this building, um, they would people had, you know, scraps of that just stacked up and and laid on top of each other. And that's where people lived in. It was it was a rough sight to see. But um, as we got further away from San Pedro Sula, where we flew into the, the larger city, I started seeing <clears throat> um, military and their their police. Um, their police were very intimidating. They were they would ride in the backs of trucks, um, five to six of them. And at one point, we got directly behind a truck, and two of the policemen on the very back were sitting there staring me directly into the eyes for about 30 minutes. It was very intimidating because they wear all black. They have a, a mask over their face and a mask over the rest of their face, and it's, like, tied in a bandana in the back, and they, like, like bulletproof vests and everything, and AK-47s. And I was like... I didn't do nothing wrong. You don't need to be looking at me like that. I love you. I even blew one of them a kiss. I don't think he liked it. I'm just kidding. I did not do that. Um, but it, it was, it was, that was, at that time, you know, I was like, okay, we're cool. The guy beside me who was driving, who spoke no English whatsoever, he was like, okay, okay. I was like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're okay. Um, but we got a little closer, and then our driver um, did not know where we were going. We spent about 40, 45 minutes um, going around in circles in the same little mile area um, when we had done driven by our, the place we were staying at probably 15 times. But at that point, I did get a little little scared. But um, as I was on the trip, you know, my focus was on heat. Um, there were some toilet issues that I was unaware of going into Honduras. Like, you cannot flush your toilet paper down the toilet. Um, you have to wipe and throw it in a trash can beside of you. And that was something that I was definitely not used to, and that is completely disgusting. But... God bless the Hondurans because that's what they have to live with. Um, that was that was just eye opener for me when I first arrived at the airport and I, I saw this. I was like, "Why are they throwing it in this thing?" And then they told me later on, they said their septic systems can't handle it. And I was like, "All right," but uh, I may I may have flushed a couple times by accident because I am just a person of um, repetitiveness as we all are. Um, and the focus was on kids and the work, and, and most importantly, I focused on God. I, I allowed God to lead me into this, um, into this trip, and I was going to allow him to lead me out of it. Um, but today, I wanted to talk about focus, because a lot of times we focus on the wrong things and negative things in life, and, and even when we sometimes see our focus being on the good, we get distracted. So we're going to talk um, about a guy in the, in the book of Dam Daniel, um, three guys and their, their interaction with a king. Um, one of my favorite stories, actually my uncle always sang a song, um, it's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And um, I loved hearing that song because it was like a story played out in a song and in the power of, of what God can do when three people were focused. Um, there's a king, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, many of you have probably heard this story before. Um, he decided that he wanted to build a statue, a golden statue. It's like 90 feet tall. Um, 90 feet tall is almost four times the size of this building height-wise right in the center peak. Um, and then nine foot wide. Um, solid gold statue, and, and his, his law was that the people of his kingdom were, going, were to bow down and worship this golden statue when any music was played with the lyre, the harp, they go through all the instruments. And, and if you did not obey the law, um, when it was time to worship this statue, then you would be thrown into a blazing uh, furnace, a, f- a fire. Um, so... There was, there were some people who, who decided that they, they were going to go away from that. And that's where we're going to jump into uh, Daniel 3. As we read through this, it's a lot of reading. We're going to try to go through this story, but I'm going I'm to break it up a little bit because um, um, I want to I point out some significant facts as we go through it. But also, I don't want to just read straight through this because some of you may go to sleep. So um, I want you to just hang with me, all right? So Daniel 3, we're going to start in verse 8. Um, it says, let me go back. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue. I'm sorry, that is not, that is verse 1. Uh, verse 8, some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and ma- maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. You as king have issued a, de- a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down in worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews who, have, who you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Um, the first part of this... And it says the Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and, and maliciously accuse some Jews. Um, the, 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 these people stuck out to me because uh, so many times in our life when we feel like we're accomplishing something, that there's always people around us who, who have a, a desire to wanting to see us fail. I know many times for me in my life with my I had two younger brothers, I was the oldest um, we, we were very competitive. Um, we would um, play sports together. Um, we, would, we would do video games. Uh, whatever we did, even if it was eating dinner, it was like who can finish the first uh, and the fastest and, and have the most. And, and it was all about being the biggest and the best. But so many times, I, my mind was so set on being focused that I, w- I was, had a more of a desire to see my brothers fail. And these Chaldeans in, in, the, in the first part of this scripture in Daniel, um, th- their focus is on seeing these Jews fail, seeing them, you know, it, it doesn't matter if they're not following the rules. They just want to say, you know what, we want to see these three because you've appointed them to do something bigger and better than we're able to do. So we want you to, to do away with them and throw them into the fire. That leaves the opportunity for us to move up, to be um, promoted right? We have to be careful when we're going through our life and when we're focused on whatever God has a desire for us to do so that we're not caught off guard or even have that, that same wants as some of these, these guys did. You know, we, we can look around us and see people that we're beside in life, and, and sometimes you say, you know what? This person's doing good. I would like to be there, but sometimes it, we have a desire. It's like, okay, if they, if they mess up a little bit, it'll be okay just so that I can bump ahead of them and I can do better. I know for me, um, I, I worked at a car wash for, for many years uh, while I was in college and, 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 and before I went in the ministry. And there was several times that was open for promotions. And, and, and we can all at some point relate to this in life because we have opportunities in life where we can step up and do something bigger or better. But in most situations in the job field, when there's a promotion, somebody else has to either go up or go down or be eliminated. And there was, there was, there was a guy in particular that I was, I was not fond of. And I, I, I was, 
I was like, I would be okay if this guy got fired so I could be promoted. And, and the way that our heart changes to see ourselves put forward is not a healthy place for us to be when we're focusing on what God desires for us to be. If God has a plan for moving somebody or removing somebody, then we have to trust that he's going to do so, but it can't be for our prideful good. Um, going on in, in Daniel uh, 13, it says, Then a furious rage, then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I have set up? Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue that I made. But if you don't worship it, you will be immediately thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is this God who can rescue you from my power? Um, in, in, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's mission, their focus right here, their focus was on God. And, and obeying God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, they replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as a king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Um, we let the things going on around us persuade us into doing things we shouldn't do. I would say most of us in this room, if, 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 if it were to come for us to stand up, um, for what we believe in, and obeying God and fully relying on God, if we were threatened with being thrown into a fire right now, how many of us would say we would stand up and say, you know what, I will go into the fire because I, I am not worshiping any, anything or any other gods beside the God that, uh, that is the true God. We saw a great example of this with, with some kids at a, at a school shooting many years ago at Columbine. Um, they had the, Some kids had the opportunity to say, you know what, Yes, I do love God. I worship God. I love God, the one true God. And because of that, their life was taken. But our focus is persuaded by the situations. Our, 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 the persuasion of, of what people think around us, what people, other people do, um, that they distract us so that we're not able to see or even do what our, what our main purpose is in life. Um, there's, there's a story that I heard. Um, I, I, should, I think I read it on Facebook or something like that. But there was a, a lady who went to a pastor, and she said, um, Pastor, I'm, I'm leaving the church. Um, there's people that are, that are talking during your sermon. There's people that are um, not paying attention when, you, when, they, when it's time to worship. They, they're sitting down or, or laughing and giggling and and. and they're, they're just, I can't, I can't focus in this atmosphere. And he said, um, if you feel like you need to leave the church because of these people, then you are free to do so. But I want you to do one thing for me first. And, and he said, she said, okay. He said, I want you to come into a service one Sunday during my sermon, and I want you to count how many times I say I, me, or you. And so she did. She came the next Sunday, and he gave his sermon, and um, and he asked her. He said, "So, um, how many times did I say I, me, or you?" And she 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 listed them out. She said, "All right, now now I want you to tell me how many people did you see talking or laughing or giggling or not paying attention during my sermon?" She said, "I didn't see none of them. I was focused on what you were saying." He said, "Exactly. If you come to church focused." on what you're supposed to be there, then you're not going to be worried about the distraction around you because your focus is solely on what God is trying to show you and tell you. And so many times in our life, we allow the things around us to distract us from what our focus is supposed to be on because we're too caught up in what everything, everybody else is doing. 
We're, we're persuaded by social media. Um, I see it as a youth pastor. I see it with our kids all the time. Um, if if kids are on Snapchat showing that one of them's vaping, and then another kid sees it, like, ooh, cool, vape. I want to try that so I can be cool. I want to post some videos of me vaping or blowing cool smoke clouds or, or whatever the situation may be. For adults, you get on Facebook and you see that this – uh, if you're a mom, you see another mom, it's like she's got her life together with her kids. You feel like you're a failure, and it distracts you from being the parent that God's called you to be. There's so many things around us in our life, and not even just not even social media, whether it's at, at your workplace. It, it can be a competitive um, atmosphere, or it can be a degrading atmosphere. Um, it, can, it can be your neighbors or even your friends and relatives around you. I, I, I've seen so many times where our, our family members, the people who we were, who are blood, who we're related to, those are the ones that, that 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 bring us down the most. For me, that's very true with my two little daughters. Last night, I about drop kick them both in the throat because they wouldn't go to bed for me. <laughs> but as I I, I I tend to raise my voice a little bit, Amber. She was, she was not feeling well, and we had both been working outside in the heat all day, um, and, and the girls had a long day. Um, so we put them to bed, and, and, and Amber said, you know what? I'm just going to lay on the couch. I'm not feeling good. Will you put them to bed by yourself? I said, yeah, absolutely. So I put them in the bed. I said, all right, mommy's going to stand here. I'm going to put you all to bed. First thing I hear out of the littlest one, mommy do it. And then Kylie starts crying, the oldest. She's like, yeah, mommy do it. And, she, and now it's just two girls screaming. I shut the door, and I raise my voice a little bit. Afterwards, Amber, she hears me in there. She opens the door. She said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I said, no, I got this. Right. <laughs> Go sit down. <laughs> I shut the door. I just calmly went, <sighs> Adeline was fine on the bottom bunk, so I, I, I just left her there, and Kylie was still crying up top. I looked her in the eyes. I said, baby, mommy doesn't feel good. I'm going to put you to bed tonight by myself, and you're going to go to sleep, and when you wake up in the morning, you're going to forget all about this because you're just tired right now. So we're going to pray, and we're going to go night-night. She said, okay, with a little tear in her eye. Adeline at this point on the bottom bunk. I go down, give her a night kiss. She said, pray, Daddy. I said, okay. So she does through this prayer. I was telling the praise team earlier this morning. She, she wants to hold your hand, and then she says, um, thank you, Mommy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Sissy. Thank you, Jack-Jack. That's our dog. Thank you, Tinkerbell. That's our cat. Thank you, Chickens. Love you, Jesus. Amen. It's real, it's real, real cute, actually. We've got a video or a a sound bite of Kylie doing it when she was about her age, and we want to do the same thing with Adeline because it's just, it brings joy to your heart to hear them say that. Especially, thank you, Jesus. It's like really sweet. But um, in in the moment of them crying and the noise in the room, I, 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 was, I was ready to explode. I was ready to just say, you know what? I don't want kids anymore. I take them back, go back in, do whatever. Um, <laughs> that, that doesn't work like that. Um, but after after I, I, I regrouped, I regained my focus, I realized, you know what? They do love me as a father, and they don't just want their mommy. But also, they know how to play their parents. Kids do. If, if, if mommy said daddy's going to do it by, if, if daddy said mommy's going to do it by herself, they'd be like, daddy, do it. And, you know, they just don't want to go to bed. But there's so many times that we are in the same situation in life where we let the small things throw us off course. We know the purpose of those around us, and sometimes it can be for destruction. Sometimes it can be for good. But those, those, those things aren't there to throw you off course. They're to remind you that you need to stay focused because you can't do it by yourself. If, if, if I relied less on God every time my kids made me angry, um, they would be dead by now. And, and, and not really, but the, I, I, I just, when they first come out for like three weeks, they're quiet. Their cry isn't even annoying at that point. It's just like, 
you know, just a, a cute little thing, and all they do is eat and sleep. And then they get to like five weeks to ten weeks, and that at that point, that's where you just it's a hundred percent attention. They're just always there, and and at that point is where I lost my insanity and my anxiety started in my life. Um, and and it took me years to realize or figure out when my anxiety started, but it was with kids, and that's why um, Amber and myself are no longer having kids because once they're out of diapers, um, Addie will be done hopefully soon. We're, we're we're praying and working with her with the whole diaper situation. And then she starts school in December, and I will be free at last because I do help take care of them during the week. Um, they come up here and hang out with me sometimes, especially in the summertime. But um, I'm looking forward to just freedom, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love them, but it, like, just God bless the teachers. Um, <laughs> so we have to... Um, we have to stay focused and and uh, and not let the things around us distract us. All right, we're going to jump into uh, verse 19. Daniel 3, 19 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than, than was customary, and, and he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace. A blazing fire. So these men in these their trousers, robes, um, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of the blazing fire. Um, if we if we stay focused. When we feel defeated, we can still achieve victory. In, in, this, in this moment when these three men who were focused on obeying God, and, 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 and I'm sure in their minds as they were getting ready to be thrown into the fire, they're getting closer to the fire, they could probably feel the heat coming off of the fire. They were feeling like, oh, my gosh, is God really going to save us? And it, there's so many times in, in our lives where we feel like as we're, we're progressing forward or going forward, like the feet is just around the corner. One of my, my favorite comeback thing, um, um, games of all time in, in sports history is, is 2001 Final Four Duke Blue Devils. I'm a Duke fan, right? This was the era of Shane Battier and Jay Williams. Um, they led them to come back. They were down by like 19 points. I got it on here somewhere. It was 39 to 17. Um, and, and they, they led them, or they, uh, Jay and Shane Battier led Duke to a one-point lead with just under seven minutes to go. And to finish out the game, they went on a 23-12 um, to 12 run, and, and they beat Maryland. They beat Maryland Turpins. In our life, we feel like as, as we feel like we're dragging behind or we're in a hole or a rut sometimes. There's no escape from it. I know that there's, I'm a person of routine. And, and sometimes it feels like the, the routine that I'm in is just dragging. Like I come in here, I, I was telling um, one of the youth, he asked me, uh, what do you do like day in, day out, every day? I said, well, these are the things. Monday I come in, I post a sermon, I get the music ready for the next Sunday. I send it out to the praise team. Um, I get things ready from the computer. Um, Tuesday, Derek and myself meet until about lunchtime and then after lunch. Um, I, I, I work on uh, music as far as main station, like all the sounds you hear in the piano. It's all done on computer base, so I get stuff on that. Um, and, and, and then in the afternoon on Tuesday, I'm working on uh, my youth lesson for Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday morning, I focus solely on my youth lesson. I study, get prepared for that. Wednesday afternoon, I come up here and put everything in the computer for, for youth, whether it's the worship, um, sermon outlines or scriptures and, and stuff like that. Um, Thursdays is getting ready all day for practice, making sure everything's in the iPad and um, planning center and everybody's scheduled as far as the band, um, audio, um, everything is going on. And then Friday is my day off. But in, in each one of those days, I've got scheduling when I'm doing counseling with people, when, when people want to meet and have breakfast to talk about um, marriage problems or difficulties in life and stuff like this. And, and, and with all these things in my life, when people call me and say, hey, I've got an issue, I'm like, hold on, hold on. You're about to throw me on my schedule. 
you're about to mess me up. Let me get finished with this first, and then I'll tend to you. But that isn't how life works. God puts people in our life to kind of pull us out of our things. So if I, if I focus on my schedule all the time, I'm not going to have room in my life to have the Holy Spirit come in and make a difference and change in my life because I'm saying, you know what, I'm on a track here. I can do this by myself instead of focusing on God and saying, God, how are you going to use this person who's going to come pour his heart and soul into my heart and into my life and into my ears to say, make me a better person? Sometimes we feel like we're defeated, but that doesn't mean there's not a, there's not a, a chance at victory. That's just that We've just got to realize, hey, God's getting ready to make a comeback. He's about to do something. Like the song Elevation sings, do it again. I've seen you move mountains. Right now, it doesn't look like this mountain's going to move, depending on, no matter how hard I kick and scream and try to move this mountain. But I know that you're going to do it again. You're going to move this mountain for me. And we have to realize, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Say, you know what? I trust in God. I'm going to stay focused on God. And even though this king's going to throw us into this fire right now, we're going we're gonna to say, you know what? Live or die, our focus is on God. And they're willing to give it all up. As they go on, um, in verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up. In alarm, he said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied up, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Uh, when the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's um, advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads were, were singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve, a worship, serve or worship any god except, the, except for their own. It says, skipping down the verse 30, then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God's deliverance was the reward for being focused. Um, for us to follow God and to look for a reward or to desire a reward is, is not a good place to be as far as your heart goes. Um, if you're the, a part of a sports team just because you want to get a trophy at the end of the year um, to add to your memorabilia or whatever, um, it's, it's, it's not a significant place um, to be as far as your mindsets go. Um, my, my ambition on being a, a part of a sports team was to say, hey, you know what? I love sports. I love playing. I, I love getting out there with helmet and pads and, and just, like, crunching and, and you know, getting beat up and beating up other people and, and getting hot and sweaty. And that, that's what I loved about it. And at the end of the year, if they give you a trophy, it's like, cool, I'll throw it in a box with the rest of them, you know. But we, we, when we allow God to be our main focus, there is a reward in the end. Um, there was a, a time in my life, um, it was about 12 years ago, um, Actually, almost 12 years ago. It was 11 and something. But um, God really put a calling on my life to go to Arizona. I, I've shared this um, with, with some of you before. Um, and I was going to do a, a youth internship there. Um, I fought this calling for a long time. I had just found a girl um, who I, I, I was like, I'm falling in love with her. I really like spending time with her. Um, life's pretty good. I'm making pretty good money right now. And, and, you know, I, I was just, I was too comfortable where I was at. But I knew God, he called me into ministry. I, I, I was actually part of this church then. Um, I was just volunteer. I, I, I'd started a youth group. We had about 25 to 30 kids who were meeting um, in, in a backyard of my dad's place. Um, he's got a place back there called the fuel station. We were meeting back there. We even fixed it up and remodeled it and and made it look halfway cool, called it the fuel station, and it was banging, it was growing. I was like, why would I leave this? You know, God, everything is good. You know, I got a girl, maybe get married soon, whatever. You know, I, I, I just can't give this up. And uh, God just kept pounding on my mind and my heart, and, 
And I, I, I finally, I finally caved in. I said, okay, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And if I don't, God's not going to let me be happy. I'm going to be miserable. So I finally went to Arizona and uh, I was there a year and a half, and I got a phone call a year and a half later saying, hey, Dale, um, it's Franklin, Rudy Fort Community Church. We want you to come back. Um, we want to we pay you to be the full-time youth pastor. I was like, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. So I come back. The, the girl who I was dating before I left um, wasn't um, interested in me at the time. So I, I, I found a girl, I was like, I'm ready to move on in my life, I'm getting older, I need to find somebody. Um, I was with this girl for like three, two, three months, something like that, and then um, I broke up with her just because it wasn't going well, or where I, where I, knew, I knew it wasn't God's plan. And then I got a phone call and said, hey, why don't you come to dinner? And um, long story short, um, I was I was set up with a, like a double date kind of thing with um, Amber, my wife, who was the girl I was dating before I went to Arizona. So it was like God rewarded me, even though I wasn't ready to say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave for a little bit, but when I come back, we can get married. But I didn't know that was God's plan at the time. We have to trust that when we're focused on God, His plan is better than ours. I don't know um, what my life would look like if I hadn't of went to Arizona, but I can say I probably wouldn't be married to Amber um, because at the time, um, I don't think she was ready for all this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't think we were ready for each other, and I, I think it, it, it really went to show that when, when, when we stay focused on God's plan, then it, it, it really does tend to, to, to change us and to open our eyes and our perspective and really sharpen our focus. How many of y'all ever played with a camera before? You can spin the little lensy thingy and it, and it you know, focuses in back and forth. Um, I actually used this, um, this graphic here is actually these lights in the background. I just took a camera and, and unfocused it so that it would be um, a little blurred vision. If, if, if you sometimes just sharpen the focus a little bit and, and realize that God's, God's got you, he's got a plan, but you've got to trust and know that God is going gonna, is gonna to allow you to have victory in whatever you're going through in your life. In Hebrews 12, um, 2 through 3, Megan read it. Um, as, as we're getting ready to go into scripture, it says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. He endured the cross, despising the shame, There's there's a cool story that I'm I'm gonna share with you in, in a little bit, but there there's just it takes a, a a bold person to stand up for what you believe in, even if it means being ridiculed or made fun of, and and a lot of times with our youth, I I go over this and I talk to people with, about this, and our students about this because they really struggle with being able to fit in. And a lot of it is driven by social media and, and peer pressure and stuff that's going on around them. But for us to be 100% committed to, to God and his desire and calling and will for our life is saying, you know what? I'm, unwilling, I'm willing to endure the shame, the humility God, Jesus, God sent his son. He was, he was beaten, humiliated, laughed at, mocked, spit on. But he stood up for what he believed in, and that was his love for each one of us. If our focus was so tight and so precise on what Jesus' calling is and God's calling us for our life, would we have time 
to allow everything else around us to, to pull us away and distract us. We have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. He was on a mission to die for our sins. And we should in return be on a mission to die for our Savior. Whether it means physically, emotionally, spiritually, saying, you know what? I want to surrender completely to God and give my life to him. Um, there's seven steps I want to go over real quick. Oh, wow. I'm turning into Derek. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, seven steps real quick. Number one, focus requires a reference point. If you're, if you're running a race, there is a finish line, and your objective is to get to there. When you're focused on God, your focus point is, is, is God, and you're saying, you know what? There's going to be things, kind of like the horse has his little eye protector, visual thingy-majiggers, whatever you call them. Um, huh? Blinders. That's pretty obvious right there, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> I'll write that down for later reference points. Um, they're focused, so we have to stay focused on God. Number two, um, focus requires effort. If you don't want to put effort into running the race, then you're not going to have a focus, um, effort in, in focusing or, or striving to gain your focus point, to achieve your focus point. There's a goal, and if there's no effort into reaching that goal, then th there's, there's really no point in even having a, a goal in the first place. Number three, focus should be taught and modeled early. I, 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 I tell this to parents all the time. Guardians, those who um, are around children a lot, leaders, whatever. Um, our our kids really need to be focused on God at an early age. I try my best to do it with our girls, but it's not something that I can I can you know do a hundred percent of the time because I, I I'm focused on other things around me. So if I'm focused on the world around me and not focused on leading my girls all the time then how, what kind of an example am I setting for my girls as far as focusing on God 100% of the time? It's not good. And it's not easy as adults or leaders. But we have to teach our young people that when they start earlier to focus, it only makes it easier. I tell the kids all the time, you think following Christ is hard right now. It's even harder as you get an, old, because, as you get an adult because one day you're not going to have your parents waking you up telling you you've got to go to church. One day you're going to wake up in the morning and you have the option to hit that alarm clock and say, I'm not going to church today. I'm tired. Or I'm going to go to the pool earlier. It's nice outside. Or it's, it's raining. It'd be a nice day to just sit in a Netflix and chill. You know what I'm saying? Binge watch. Um, number four, focus must be filtered through priorities. Our priorities have to be straight in order to achieve our victory and our goal when focusing on God. Is your priorities um, money, your job, your family, everything else around you? But a lot of times our priority should start at the top and it filters out into a tree. You have God, your marriage, your kids, your home, your work. Everything else just falls in, in below you. We have to follow that. Um, focus can be strengthened. Um, for me, um, to, to fully be focused and rely on God, it is 100% saying, you know what? I want to see more of God in my life, and it's digging into the Word. Um, it's something that, that I think every single human being struggles with. It doesn't matter um, if you're in ministry, if you're not in ministry. I'm creating that special time during the day when you dig into God's Word and you spend time in prayer with God. Um, that's when your focus is really strengthened. But it's not easy, it's no, no easier for me than it is for you guys. Because on those days when people do call me or my, my schedule changes or my kids wake up sick or throwing up or I have to take somebody to the doctor, um, it, it, it's, it's something else there that can get in the way of me being able to spend time with God. And it's always there. We have to be dedicated and focused into building and strengthening that focus so that God can work. Um, number six, is your focus inward or outward? I got, a, I got a little illustration real quick. This is a magnifying glass. I don't have a real one, so I, brought, I, I borrowed my daughter's 
She's got a little butterfly catching kit with a little net and a magnifying glass, I guess, so that she can look at wings. Um, if I had this when I was a kid, I would have used it to be more precise when tearing the wings off of things. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I was that kid. I, I just liked destruction. A lot of times we walk around with a magnifying glass. I look at Rod's life and say, Rod, you're doing this wrong. You're messed up. Kind of like the scripture. Take the plank out of your eye before you point at the little speck in your neighbor's eye. We look at everything else that's going on around us. We can point out everybody else's failures. And with those failures, it feels like we're building ourselves up. But God doesn't call us to look at the failures of other people. He calls us to get the mirror out and say, you know what? I need to start here. This is where I'm working at. That made my face really big. If, if, if we allow God to work on us from the inside out, it, it, it makes it easier for us to say, you know what? I'm not worried about what everybody else is doing. I'm going to worry about Dale. And then when Dale lives his life, everybody else can see God in Dale's life. But we're focused on everything else that's going on in the world around us. We're trying to compete, keeping up with the Joneses next door. I have really got Joneses next door at my house. Um, Dan and Amanda, that's pretty cool. Um, but it's, it's the way that the world is going right now. It, it's, it's the distractions that are around us are more evident and clear than it, sometimes it feels like that God is right in front of us. There's a, um, a little video clip. I don't know if, I, if I, I put it in there. Is there a little video clip somewhere in the sermon outline series thingy? It should be down toward the end of the, um, the sermon. There's not one? Okay. It was actually this, this, this photo right here that was cleared out. But as I zoomed in, um, the, the, where's your focus is, is taken away. But as, as I focused in, you could see the cross. And as we stand here right now and we look at this photo, right now you don't really see anything. But sometimes it takes us to just focus in and the cross is right in front of us. And we, we focus on, on God being our foundation and less of what the world looks like around us then the cross becomes more evident, and we don't even need this to see the cross because the cross is displayed in who we are. Number seven, focus will produce the faith we need to accomplish our goals, our dreams, and even God's will. Some of us, our faith is, is, is dying. Our faith is, is, is not strengthening whatsoever because we're, we're, we're not relying on God to be the center of, our, of what our faith is. As we, as we finish up today, I want you to, to, to change your focal point on what your life is. Are you focusing on everything else around you, or is your soul focus on God, and you're going to allow Him to clear your focus so that when these other things around you, these other, other distractions come in, is God going to be the one that straightens your path? Or are you going to stumble, stumble to the left and right? And when, when, when this obstacle comes, it, it throws you two steps back. We have to say, you know what, I, God, I need more of you in my life and less of the world. So strengthen my focus so I can have the faith to endure the obstacle. Will you bow your heads for a minute? I know focus is, is a hard thing and a struggle for, for everybody. But as, as a husband and as a father, my prayer for my life is that my focus is ever-changing. Just like the, the picture um, that I showed you earlier, there, there, there's always blur in a movement of a camera lens. 
until you get to that exact point where it's super clear, super fine, and it's like the money shot. And a lot of times in our lives, we feel like we're almost there. And then something throws it off, and you're like, oh, i got to change the focus again. God desires us to have that clean, crisp view on who He is in our life, where we're 100% focused in, not worrying about anything else around us. Whether you're a, um, a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a friend, grandparent, a student we all have room for improvement in our life but we have to change our focus and say you know what I'm ready to fall down on my face and I'm ready to see change in my life because I need change in my life I can't do life by myself I'll be the first one to admit that I need help but we have to desire to want to have a need of more of God in our life. Just like the song that we're about to sing, Spirit of the Living God, I want to know you more and more. I need more of you in my life. When you move, I want to move. When you fall, I want to fall. So in this moment right now, I want us to fall on our knees and say, God, I give my life to you. I trust you. I'm 100% focused on who you are, and I want to trust you. I want to see you raise me up and give life when the world is trying to defeat me, when the world is trying to tear me down and tell me that I'm not good enough. God, I pray that you come in here, God, that you move, God, that we can move with you, God, to see change in our lives, to see people come to know you, God. God, I pray that that our that salvation um, through you, God, and in you is is, is not just a, a step, God, but it's 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 a hundred percent dedication with our life saying you know what I want to be like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego I want to be like Stephen I want to give my life to you allowing you to be in 100% control so that I can trust you so that my faith in you leads me to victory God be with us as we worship we give it all to you in your name we pray amen